Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. So we'd be in Matthew chapter 9. And starting in verse 1, I'm just going to read a chunk of this scripture first. Then it says in chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. So he got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. This is Jesus, and he came to his own city, Capernaum. In verse 2, then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying in a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. So we start here in in verse 1 and 2, and we have this moment where a paralytic, somebody that was paralyzed, and it doesn't really tell us in in this portion of Scripture how long and, and what exactly was wrong, but he was paralyzed. He couldn't get around by himself. It says, they brought him, a man that was paralyzed, that was laying on a bed. They carried him like on a stretcher. And, but what I want to see, and, and we saw this even last week and as I was sharing, that he was brought. And it says they brought him. And there's something even more in this we'll get to that it's talking about the they. He had friends. It doesn't say if it was friends, family, acquaintances, whoever it was that brought him, but they brought him. He needed people to bring him into the presence of God. He needed people to bring him to a place to lead him or carry him, in this case, to a place where he could get the healing that he needed. And you know me, I like to give us questions. Are we bringing people to the place where they can encounter Jesus, where they can be in the presence of God. Are we doing, now, I'm not going to come at you too hard, but I I do. I felt this myself even as I was studying this, and and this is a huge thing because it, again, says some more about the people in the scripture that brought him. Are we bringing people, we can say to church, but it's not just church, but are we bringing people to a place that will be what they need in that moment, that, that need of, of healing, that need of restoration? There's so many, I mean, they... There's so many people around us that are in desperate need of God, in desperate need of being in the presence of God, and, and they need somebody, so many, I mean all, all of us, 
at one point needed somebody to grab us by the hand and say, hey, I know where we need to go. I know the person you need to meet with. I know the place that we need to be. And it's in the presence of God. Are we inviting people? You know, in this, in the other Gospels, it talks about this same story, and it doesn't give as, as many of the details in this portion of Scripture, but this is the time when they brought him on the stretcher, this man that was paralyzed, and they took him because there was such a large crowd around this house. They took him up onto the roof, and they started peeling away the tiles of the roof and opened up a hole in the roof so that they could, I mean, did the, did they know they were going to need to bring rope or I don't know, but somehow maybe there was rope laying on the roof, but somehow they brought him in the stretcher up onto the roof and then tore the tiles. You know what that makes me think? They didn't care what they had to do to bring their friend, to bring this person to the place that he needed to go. They didn't care. I can imagine, what are you guys doing? Why are you ripping the tiles? Why are you ripping the roof apart? What are you doing up there? They're like, look, he needs Jesus. And so many times we're just too scared to be uncomfortable to say something to somebody. You know? Are we willing to be uncomfortable to step out of our comfort zone to bring somebody? And look, I will tell you, I was the person that I'm speaking to right now. I mean, you wouldn't believe whenever I was younger, a teenager, and people would, I don't think they even knew that I talked, you know? I was quiet. I was chill. You know, mostly it was just kind of like, I'm good, you know? Like, don't worry about me. I'll just sit over here. And I was quiet. And, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't the loud guy, the type A personality, all that stuff. I've said this stuff before. But the thing is, is, is that you have to come to a point where you say, I, I'm willing because of what I've understood about who God is and what he's taught me, what he's spoken to me and what he's done for me, that I'm willing to be uncomfortable for him. I'm, I'm willing to do something that is outside of my comfort zone in order for others to know who he is and to, do, to, to, to get the same thing that I have been able to get. I'm willing to be a little uncomfortable or to get outside of our comfort zone so that others will know or come to Jesus. Would we step outside? Would we do something that takes great faith? And that's interesting because the next thing is, is that it says is when Jesus saw their faith. Now I said, they brought him. His friends brought him. And then it says Jesus saw their faith. So it, when you read this, it, it, you're like, oh my gosh. 
It was the faith of the friends that brought him that Jesus saw and spurred him on to do this thing for this man. It wasn't the man's faith. There's different times, you know, when the centurion or different people came to Jesus and he saw their faith. But in this instance, it says that Jesus saw their faith. Our faith can help somebody come into the healing or the restoration or the place that they need to be with Jesus. Our faith coming around them, tugging on Jesus' heart can bring what they need, even if their faith isn't at the point that it should be. Do you see that? Wow. Is our faith Is our faith bringing healing to those around us? Because what I see here is our faith can be a catalyst in other people's healing and other people's relationship with God. Are are we getting uncomfortable? Are we standing out in faith and saying, this is what needs to happen. This is who you need to know. It's Jesus. This is where you need to be. And it's in his presence. It's interesting, it's, it says that he sees their faith. And he said to the man that was paralyzed, son, be of good cheer. He didn't see faith in this man that was paralyzed. More likely, because of what he said, he actually saw depression and doubt. Because the first thing he needed to speak, that Jesus needed to speak to this man that was lying on this bed that was just dropped out out of the ceiling, the first thing that he needed to tell him is be of good cheer. Don't be down. Don't be worried. And to me, that puts even more like emphasis on the faith of his friends. More emphasis on what his friends did for him. They were standing around. They were with him. He wasn't doing okay. But they were there for him. And they brought him. And their faith helped him to get healed. And Jesus said, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. In Matthew 9, 3, it says, And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. And in this, so there's, of course, this large crowd, and, and, and of course, there's, there's scribes and, and religious people and leaders around trying to see who is this Jesus also. You know, the ones that were there that, that wanted to get healed and the ones that trusted and had faith, but then there was also ones that wanted to come against Jesus or find something wrong. And Jesus sees the faith of the friends and sees that they dropped him down out of the roof. And, and, and then he sees this man and says, be of good cheer because your sins are forgiven. And then all of a sudden these scribes quietly says, you know, among themselves, like they huddled up and they freaked out. 
and said that this man blasphemes. And what's interesting is if you read this, where it says this man blasphemes, it, this actually isn't in the scripture. It's italicized man. They didn't call him man. They actually didn't know what to call him. So really in the scripture, they said, this, this, this blasphemes. They're trying to figure out who Jesus is. They didn't even know what to call him. They just sat there. They're like, you're not supposed to do that. In verse 4, Matthew 9, 4 and 5, it says, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? Now, this is, this is God. There's so many things in this scripture that, like, you know, these, these scribes that were there that were <clears throat> looking and, you know, like, it's like focused on Jesus, like we got to figure out who this person is and, 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 and we need to figure out what he's doing wrong. And so they're just, I mean, they're focused on Jesus. And then he says, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes are like, no, 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 you, you, you can't do that. And Jesus, they, did, they said that amongst, you know, they're like, he, he can't, he's blaspheming, you can't do that. And he knew their thoughts. They were trying <laughs> to catch him off guard to, he, you know, he says, he's, he's claiming to bring healing to people. He's claiming to be God. He's, he's claiming to be all these things. And the funny thing is, even in him telling him telling them what they thought he was telling him them that they can't whisper and talk amongst themselves or even think without him knowing what they're thinking that in itself is a miracle right that alone was enough to prove that Jesus is God because he knew their thoughts. You know, this also makes me think he cares. First of all, he knows what we're thinking. Second of all, he cares what we are thinking. Right? He says, be of good cheer. He says, what's easier to say? Is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, rise up and walk? There's a, there's a reason. Really, Jesus, he's actually leading them into something. There's always purpose with God. He didn't say that on accident, your sins are forgiven. He said it because he wanted to bring people to this place where they understood who he was. There were other people that claimed, you know, that to bring healing or other people, you know, or throughout the Bible, those, 
you know, that ask God, hey, will you do this? Will you do that? Will you bring healing? Will you bring fire down? You know, all these things. There had been signs and wonders. But nobody could say your sins are forgiven. But God. And that is why he said it. Because he says, I'm telling you who I am right now. In Psalm 103, 2 and 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. And these scribes, they know the word. They know the scripture. They know these things. And in their mind, they're, they're saying, it's the Lord, it's God, it's him who can heal and can forgive the sins of the people. And this guy right here, because they didn't believe, they didn't believe that he was God. So it freaked them out. But Jesus said, which is easier to say? Both healing and forgiveness is impossible for us to do without God. We can't do either of those. With Jesus, he says, I can say whatever I want to say and and the healing is going to come, but the reason I'm saying this is because I want you to know who I am. I'm God with you. In Matthew 9, 6, but that you may know, right? Jesus right now is, is coming at him. <laughs> so when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, he's saying, that's me. I'm the one that can forgive sins and bring healing. And the reason I'm saying this is for your benefit, not mine. And in verse six, it says, but that you may know, which is easier to say, but the reason that I say this is that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said, the paralytic, arise, take your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, it, They marveled and glorified God who had given such power to them. Which is easier to say? You're forgiven of your sins or rise up and walk? He says, it doesn't matter. I can say either one just as easy as the other. But the reason that I'm saying this is so that you may know that I have the power to forgive sins and so that that you can know who I am. Do you know who he is? And I think we say yes, but in so many circumstances, I, f- I feel like we get to the place where our faith isn't matched up with what we say we believe. Because things happen, and then we're like, I mean, God, I know that, that you've said that you can do this, but but you don't know. I and mean, when we question those things that God wants to do in our life, what are we doing? We're questioning Him. 
he says, so that you may know. So that we can know who he is, that he is God. And the man rose up and departed to his house. He was immediately healed, instantly. So now in this, Jesus has said, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes freaked out like only God could do that. We know it's what scripture says, the Lord. He's the one that does that. And he's like, I know, that's me. Rise up and walk. And the guy just gets up and walks. And they're like, Ugh. you know, you could imagine. I, I could imagine their heads like spinning. It's like, but we, we, we're having trouble believing that you are God. And I like that. How, how can this person standing right in front of us be God? But then you just said, rise up and walk. And then he rises up and walks and goes. And the healing comes. Again, like I said, oh man, I love also that, that he just says, rise up and walk. And I said, I don't know, it was last week, the other week, that I think it was a couple weeks ago. Then in these circumstances where Jesus is healing some, some person, whether it's a blind man or paralyzed person or whatever it is, or, or rise, the raising of Lazarus, that's where it was. I said this, Lazarus from the dead, and he just tells him what to do. He just says, come forth. And here, he just says, rise up and walk. He doesn't start arguing with the devil. He doesn't start wartime prayer, you know, getting all like... <sighs> sweaty and heated in his prayer, he just says, I have the authority to say to you, rise up and walk and you will rise up and walk. And I believe that, that he wants us to, to have that same authority and, and say, you know, that you have this relationship with your heavenly father, with God, that, that you know where you are and and how, your firm foundation and, and where you stand. And that doesn't need to be talked about in this prayer now whenever you're praying for somebody to be healed. But you have to have that time with Him to know where you stand first. Spending that time with Him, spending the time in the Word, spending time praying, knowing where you're at with God. We're tight. Me, God, you know? Like having that kind of a, an understanding when you come to these moments. That's the kind of understanding and attitude that I want to have whenever there's a circumstance or situation that, that I come to and somebody needs help, somebody, you know, needs healing, and I... And I want to be the one to pray with them. I don't want to come and be like, God, you're still with me, right? But to know because, because we're tight, you know? We've spent that time. We don't have to go back over that, God. Actually, what I'm going to do is just say, you are healed. You're healed in Jesus' name. That's... I, 
Jesus didn't tell us any different. That you have to question God, question what's wrong, question any of the things. What he said is if you stand in the authority that you should be standing in because of your relationship with God, that you speak and it happens. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't like speaking things into existence. I need that car. I have that car. Oh, there it is. You know, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when God brings you to a place and is leading you to someone, because he's the one leading you, and there's a need. You say, I need that car. (laughs) Okay. But God is more worried about people coming to know him and people being restored to him than he's worried about your car. I'll tell you that. I've gotten two cars stolen. You, most of you heard the story. And the one I got back was the one that was worth $1,000, you know? The other one, well, it was, it was worth $10,000. But still, it was a nice car. I didn't get that one back. But you know what I, you know what I thought? I thought, it doesn't matter. What does a car matter? You know, I was really upset, actually, for a while. <laughs> I was really upset. Tori and I were praying and just like, God, just help me. But came, came to this understanding, it's a, it's a car. That doesn't, if I lose my salvation over a car, there's something wrong, you know? That doesn't matter. Okay, that's a little sidebar, okay? So we'll get back to it. What he cares about. Again, even when Jesus spoke, when he, when he spoke, your sins are forgiven, Before he spoke, rise up and walk, what he's saying is the forgiveness of sins is even more important than your healing. The most important thing in your life is is not that you get healed of your physical illness. The most important thing in your life is where your heart is and where you're going. Your relationship with God, that's what he's saying. Now, he still wants to bring healing. But he said, more importantly than that is our relationship. And the multitudes, all those who were gathering around, they marveled and gave God the glory. And, and, and in this, I love even Jesus. See, he, because he was showing us the way, He didn't want the glory. Now, we give him glory now. But in showing us the way in in, in this, however Jesus did it, it doesn't say all the stuff that happened in that moment, but how Jesus did it, didn't take any glory for himself, but gave glory to God. And I feel like too many times in, in... these things, when we see these miraculous things happen, there's a, there's a war in somebody that's trying to get glory when glory should be given to God. But in all these circumstances, whenever God wants to use us to bring healing to somebody, when he wants to 
Use us to bring somebody into where he is so that they can know him, to bring restoration or bring freedom from addiction, whatever. And he uses us in that moment. We better be giving the glory to God for that and not think anything of ourselves because all glory belongs to him. And I'm going to read now in, on from 9 to 13. And, and this story continues because Jesus has come now into his own town and is sitting there in the house and he is speaking. And these people brought this man that was paralyzed into this house, tore the roof apart. Their faith was so much activated that they didn't care what they had to do to bring this person, their friend, into the presence of Jesus because they knew where he was, there was healing. And Jesus saw their faith and, and he saw the faith of those that were with the man that was paralyzed, even though he was not feeling the same himself. And Jesus saw that and, and he was, his heart was was pulled with compassion because of those around the man that was paralyzed, that their faith and their trust, their belief that, that Jesus could heal. So he heals him. And the scribes and Pharisees, they're freaking out, saying, you can't say your sins are forgiven. And he says, no, I can, and I did, and I will. And the reason I said this is not for any reason but that so you could know who I am, that I am God. And after this it says that he continues on. Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And in this moment, it's wild. Like as I was reading this, and I, I was thinking, like, oh, we can read this separately, but I believe this is all smashed together. Because he's trying to get across a point to the people around, specifically the religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees. He's trying to get across a point. And the point is, is that people are in need of God. People are in need of the relationship that you have, which really the scribes and Pharisees didn't have this relationship. But in our circumstance, they're in need of what you have. They need the relationship. They need the healing from the sickness. They, they need the healing from the depression or the restoration of relationship or family. They need these things, and those things are found 
in God. And he's saying, in all this, I'm the one that can do that. So what I'm going to do, and we see here, he went out from there. And what does he do? He calls Matthew, the tax collector. You know tax collectors, these guys. He was a Jewish guy. But one of the most hated Jewish people among Jewish people. Because they were basically in cahoots with the Romans in taking taxes from the peop- the Jewish people. You know, in reading this, they also, they, oh gosh, they, some of the other disciples were, were fishermen. And, and they know that in that time, the fish that were collected, they taxed the fish, the amount of fish that was collected. So Jesus calls Matthew and he also calls fishermen. How awkward is that? But I believe that there's a point in that. He says, no matter who you are, I am calling you into my presence, into my family. He's also saying, no matter who you are, I want you to get along. Because what's happened before are those other things you claimed before you were in my presence. They, They can't keep you from being in a relationship with somebody else. So this Matthew was a tax collector and hated. And Jesus comes by and he just says, follow, I love it. Like, how many people, if you're just like in the, in the store or something, not even, he's actually at work. If you're at work, sitting at your desk, and some person you don't know, maybe he had heard about him, but he didn't have a relationship with him. And Jesus walks by and just says, follow me. And he just gets up and goes. He's like, okay. But that's what Jesus is doing with all of us. He's saying, follow me. Follow me. It doesn't matter what's happened before now, what happens now is what's really important. Are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to just drop everything? And it was probably harder for Matthew to drop everything than the fishermen. It was easier probably for them if they wanted to go back to fishing. Once Matthew left, it was, I mean, I don't know. But it was probably a lot harder for him. But he just dropped everything and he went. Because Jesus said, follow me. In verse 10, now it happened. As Jesus said at this, Jesus apparently just walked straight around, Matthew following after him, and went and sat down somewhere. And it says, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his, and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, They said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. In this, I I believe that, that he's calling out 
the Pharisees, because in, in that religious world, the Pharisees believed they were, they're like the physician. They're the ones that, you know, we got all the knowledge to help people. They were the religious physicians. But the problem was, is that these religious physicians didn't want to be around sick people. They didn't want to be around the people that needed them most. They just wanted to be around those that were healthy and doing okay and, and, and not weird or hadn't been through a bunch of stuff or weren't, you know, like exactly like them. Like, think about that. In this moment, they're saying, why is he sitting with the tax collectors and the sinners? Why is he there with them? And Jesus says, it's because they're the ones that are in most need of the physician. And you may think that you've got all that you need to have to, to be what everybody needs, but I'm the one that actually brings the healing. I'm the one that actually brings the restoration, he says. And they're the ones that need me, not those that are well. He says, how, 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 are you, how are you going to bring healing to people if you won't allow them to be by you? To me, this, this calls me out, and I believe us as, a, as people that know God, is are we willing to allow those people? Now, preface this by saying, hanging out with sinners isn't an excuse to do bad things. And that's one thing that we have to watch out for. But are we around people that need Christ? Are we just around people that already know Him? In Romans 5.8 it says, But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. He loved us so much that not after we figured out all of our mess and after we were doing good and, and after we stopped sinning, then he died for us. No, it says that while we were still in that nasty place of sinning, he died for us because he loved us that much. And he says, I, I want you to come to me. Don't be afraid to come to me as you are. But realize that as you come to me, you will be changed. And the church should, should open the doors to everyone coming in. And not be, I think, oh. If you say, oh my gosh, look at that person in church, ever. Ever. Let me tell you, you're a Pharisee. I 
But God says, I want them all to come in. And I want you, and what we've seen with Jesus here, I want you to be a part of bringing them in. He saw their faith. He wants to see your faith around those that are in need of him. He wants to see your faith and have your faith pull on his heart so that he will come and and bring healing or restoration to that person that is in need of it. Are you willing to do that? Because we need people that are a mess in church. Because my God doesn't exist for those that are just doing well. He exists for those that are sick and in need of Him. Are we praying for people that have have had a rough past to come into church? Or are you praying that your seat will be empty when you get here? Oh, oh snap. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What are we praying for? Man, can we have the faith to, to pray, to say, God, give me an encounter somebody that is going to make me uncomfortable and make me step out, my faith be stretched in a way that I have to do something that I don't want to do in order for them to come into your presence. Huh. You guys all just prayed that this morning, didn't you? I, that's, that's, what we, oh. that's, that's what we need to be praying. God wants to see those that are sick, those that are a mess. He wants to see them coming to him. And I believe in this scripture and what I felt like God was pressing on my heart is that we are the ones that can be a part of bringing them to this place. That's what I see in all this. Who are you asking to come to church? Who are you talking to that needs God? that needs healing? What what is your faith at, your level of faith? Is it beyond yourself or is it in this comfortable zone? And I, look, none of us, you know, really want to be uncomfortable. That's like one of the fundamental things in life is to be comfortable that we all care about. But the problem is, being comfortable doesn't actually accomplish anything. It doesn't do anything for anything in life, not just what God wants us to do, but I'm I'm not a businessman, but to be a businessman, you got to be uncomfortable to to invent something. You got to be uncomfortable to go where, to move forward, you have to be willing to step in an uncomfortable place. The problem is too many of us are willing to step to an uncomfortable place 
outside of what God wants us to do, but not willing when it's God wanting us to do it. So Jesus is showing us here, he says, those that are sick are the ones that are in need of a, of a physician. Are we seeing those people come into the church? Are we inviting those people with us? Are we being a part and is our faith bringing people to that encounter with Jesus that they need? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.